So on nights like tonight, you are required by like a thousand laws or something to read the birth narrative of Jesus. Let it be known that no one within the sound of my voice could say I've never heard the story. The Gospel of Luke opens up this way. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared." Zechariah said to the angel, Well, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they, they realized that, that he, had been, uh, he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked, upon, uh, looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
Mary said to to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, the berry leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. And he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives are called by this name and They made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout the hill country of Judah or Judea. And all who heard him laid them up in their hearts saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was on him, was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun shall visit, uh, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness 
darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And and then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. His father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84 
She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting, with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I know that we have talked about this before. Um, at least I, I remember talking about it. I don't know if you remember me talking about it. The Christmas story just fascinates me. Just absolutely fascinates me, but probably not for the same reason that most everybody else get excited about the Christmas story. Uh, for me, it's this weird, probably strange, I would call it, mixture of incredibly major moments that clearly change the world, Right? but also a whole bunch of unassuming moments that usually get just glossed right over, skipped over, probably not even paid attention to, um, forgotten in the matter. And if you want fireworks, man, the, the, the birth narrative has definitely got you covered, right? That you got two different angelic conception announcements to unlikely families. Both of them are going to take miracles, right? Um, you've got a guy going deaf and mute for nine months. That's a cool story. Um, You've got a young couple's marriage almost falling apart before they're technically married. Uh, you've got an executive order that causes everybody in the known world to be moving around at the same time. You've got a very, very pregnant lady sleeping with the barnyard animals because they couldn't find room in an inn. Uh, you've got shepherds running around all over the place, making a mess of things, leaving sheep in the middle of the night. You've got an explosion of angels in worship on the hillside in this quiet little town outside the big city. And you've got a couple of older saints, we will call them, waiting until the Messiah would finally show up so that they could go home and be with the Lord, right? And so they can, they can finally die. And that doesn't even mention the biggest part of the story, which is like, you know, that whole part about the eternal Son of God putting on flesh and dwelling among us. You want fireworks? The birth narrative's got fireworks. There's some absolutely massive things that happen in the Christmas story. But man, every single time I read this narrative, I find myself more and more and more impressed with the parts of the story that are present, but don't get as much attention. Some of them don't get mentioned even in the text at all, but they're there. They're under the surface if you start asking questions. Like, have you ever, have you ever thought about just how much waiting went on in that story? How much downtime there was between the big firework moments? I mean, the first couple of weeks of our Advent kind of focus this year, we looked at a couple of, uh, of prophets pointing forward to the coming Messiah. And those guys were prophesying and, and doing the things that prophets do about 700 or so years before Jesus. That's a lot of years before Jesus. Like how many years in a row would it take for you to get tired of saying, well, maybe next year will be the year? You think you got 700 cycles in you? I don't have 700 cycles in me. We're talking about your grandkids, grandkids, great-grandkids. But what about the waiting that Mary and Joseph specifically had to endure, right? You may not be aware of this, but there's like nine or so months in between an angel showing up with a massive promise and then that silent night that we're so fond of singing about. That's a lot of time. 
There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of, uh, you, can, you can think about a lot of things in nine months. You can overthink a lot of things in nine months. For all of us in the room who are more doers instead of thinkers, welcome to my people, all right? You can put an awful lot of very unnecessary things on the to-do list in nine months. And then, when it seems like you're finally getting close to the finish line, what happens? Well, an emperor that you've never personally bowed a knee to decrees that you've got to travel to your ancestral home so that he can count you and see just how big his empire is. What a lovely guy. You mean i got to deal with this right now? Don't you know how far Nazareth is from, from, from Bethlehem? Don't you know how much I've got on my plate at the moment? Newsflash, politicians neither know nor care. <laughs> the world hasn't changed all that much, right? And so what do you do? You pack up, you, you head out for the journey. We're not sure how long they're in Bethlehem before the, that fateful night. However long it was, though, we know that everyone else is in town, and so it's hard to get a room. You and your families are sleeping where the goats sleep. Enjoy your stay. Hopefully you'll make it through the census line quick enough that you can just pack up and go back home. But then one night, one night it's go time, right? The baby is coming. There's so, so many things that you wanted to fix by that moment, right? So many things that you were trying your best to control, trying your best to manipulate, but it's just simply out of your hands, right? God's going to do what God wants to do exactly when God wants to do it, period. And so you wait. And you wait. The Christ child is born. Angelic worship explodes on the other side of town. How long do you think it took the shepherds to get there? Well, what was that wait like? Was it right then? Did it take a few hours? Did, did she just get Jesus to sleep when they showed up? How long did they stand there and marvel at what they were looking at before they decided to tell their story? How long do you think they lingered before they went back to work? You think, think any of those shepherds and their shepherd buddies ducked back in the next day to check in on them? Do a little more marveling? What, what were those eight days like waiting to present Jesus in the temple? Anybody taking up a room in the inn, hear about what happened, go, man, we can't let this new mom and her child stay out in the stable so let, they can have my bed, right? Did that ever happen? Probably didn't. Listen, I love, I adore the big deal moments in the Christmas story, but I think I'm more impressed with all the stuff going on in the gaps. And it's because the gaps look a whole lot more like my life than the fireworks do, right? I don't know, maybe you're here tonight and you're somewhere in the middle of a long cycle of saying, well, maybe next year will be the year. I don't know how many cycles you've, You've walked through so far. I don't know how many more you got left in you, but man, I've been there. And maybe you're here tonight, but you're struggling to, to stop overthinking about a bunch of stuff that you don't actually have any control over. Guilty. What's worse, you probably never had control over those things. 
Maybe you're here tonight, and, and, but you, 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 have to, you have to cling right now to the, all you have is the expectant hope that God is good. That he's trustworthy to fulfill all of the promises that he's made to you. Listen, I think a proper reading of the Christmas story, and, and, and that's, that's a reading that pays careful attention to both the big deal stuff and the easily overlooked stuff. Guys, the, the Christmas story ought to help you see that you're not the first person in the middle of an anxious wait. In fact, that, that's actually the posture of God's people the vast majority of the time. We've been here before. The, the hard part, though, I don't know if you're as guilty of this as I am, but expectant hope doesn't come naturally to me. It's not something I'm good at. I want to rush in, in and fix all the problems. I immediately see the to-do list compiling itself. I don't even have to write it down. Waiting is something that I have to actually discipline myself to lean into and grit my teeth and enjoy. <laughs> but man, when, when I do lean in, I find an otherworldly rest there. It's a deep and abiding rest. All this month long, we've been reading devotionals and lighting candles, all in a disciplined effort to, to slow ourselves down, right? Yes, yes, God is indeed working powerfully in all the big deal parts of the story, yes and amen, but he's working just as powerfully in the oft-overlooked moments of waiting. And that's good news for those of us who are spending a whole lot of time waiting on the Lord right now. I need that good news. There's an otherworldly rest available for us. And so we've got some more candles to light tonight. And here's the deal. We're going to do it slowly. On purpose. I know it's a, a forced illustration. I'm, I'm aware of that. But it's an illustration that, of something incredibly obvious. Something incredibly important for God's people to learn. Sitting in the dark, waiting anxiously for the light to finally make its stinking way to you. So guys, if I could get the lights turned off, please. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you that in a world of brokenness and darkness, you came near. You came to bring hope and joy and peace and love that blows away the definitions we usually try to give to them. And sometimes I'm frustrated that you seem to work slower than I would prefer for you to do so. But you have never, ever failed one of your promises. And so we wait. And we anticipate. And we long. But you are good. And in you we trust.